everybody's got to eat. And nobody likes getting sick. That's why Heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Hello, Francine. Hey, Matt. Is one of your favorite things in life technical issues, Francine? Love them. Love them. Well, I I mean, I could tell because. (laughs) (laughs) What would we do without them? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I would say I only have technical difficulties when you're around, but that is not the case. You know, I've been doing so good with the technical issues until the last couple days have been never ending, I feel like. Yeah. You know what I find fascinating is how difficult Teams is to use, like Microsoft Teams, (laughs) which has nothing to do with this. I mean, our podcast thing has been kind of cray-cray, but uh, at least my daughter's not here to laugh at us like she was our first time. Oh, my heavens. So it's funny you say that about Microsoft Teams because actually I'm using that right now with a couple different things that I'm working on and I'm having just one or two things with it that just don't seem to want to work right and I don't think it's user error. Um, Sometimes it's like you go to log on and it doesn't want to let you log on exactly like Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, and there's like no rhyme or reason to it either. It's like one day, and you'll be in a meeting and everything's working fine, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I have to go, go off or whatever. And you know what? You know what is really sad about Microsoft Teams and any new any type of like uh, communication device for for having a multitude of people on at the same time is whenever you're on mute, it doesn't know to unmute you. You would think that during COVID. Someone would have created some sort of genius thing that would look at your face and go, oh, he really does want to talk. We can unmute now. But no, no. AI can 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 tell you the answers of everything in the world, but not unmute you. So earlier, probably a couple months ago, it went through some kind of two-factor authentic, authentication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two-factor authentication. Yes. Yes. Um, and Two-step I, authentication. We, yeah. We went – through like the worst time trying to get that set up between our different computers. It just did not want to work so that we could get into Microsoft Teams. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. You know what the most used phrase I think in in the world now is you're on mute. (laughs) I have not been in a meeting and I'm in like four hours of meetings at least a day. And and I have not been in one where someone hasn't said that. And you're sitting there looking at them like. <laughs> okay. Well, luckily, Francine, we got the technology working and we can move on. Um, and we can record this episode again because you know what? Nothing is better than making a podcast except for making a podcast twice. Ah, uh, Yes. I mean, it should be it should be even better the second time, right? Yeah, because you know, so many people look at us and go, "Well, they got nothing better to do in their life." What I mean, what else are we doing? <laughs> what else are we doing? Right? We have nothing we, else we, to do. We have nothing else to do. We're just going to sit here and <laughs> chat with each other all day, all day because we don't have anything else we have to do. Oh, and that was such a good podcast too. I, I hope we can replicate it a second time. Except, you know, the introduction of that podcast didn't talk about technical issues. So there's something new. No, it didn't. Actually, we were talking about our spouses in the introduction of 
that last one. That is true. That was a really good. <laughs> They're going to miss it. It was so <laughs> good. I mean, it was good. Okay. So today's episode is about chickens. It is. And chicken flu in particular. But I also have some very interesting facts about chickens as well that I'm you may know, but I'm not sure if other people will know. All right. So Francine, you want to give some groundwork on what this has to do with? Well, the bird flu and bird vaccines. Bird vaccines. Bird vaccines. So what do you think, Matt? Well. <clears throat> A little more detail. Yes. So the USDA has just announced, we'll put the link down below as well, that um, vaccine trials can be used on for bird flu outbreaks. So just give a little context, like just this last year, 58 million birds have been euthanized because of bird flu. Bird flu has been around forever, but over the last probably, what, half a decade or so, decade, it's it's kind of grown. Well, when was it that we were talking about, was it the H1V1? H1N1. H1N1. The, like the bird flu possibly coming to human beings. When was that conversation? 2009. 2009. So we've been talking about bird flu a lot. I love apocalyptic books. It's like a weird, fun thing for me to read. And it, it always have some sort of virus or, you know, there's a lot of different ways that they say the world is going to end. But one of them is by a virus. And I think there's probably been some books about this one too. H1N1 affecting humans. And it was like the COVID before COVID. Yeah, I remember. Well, we talked about this a little bit ago, you know, before our technical difficulties. Um, in 2009, we were working with corporations when they were expecting, you know, H1N1 to, you know, be the, like you said, COVID before the COVID. When we were preparing for that to be the pandemic, we were working with companies and how they were going to deal with that and what we were going to do when there was this pandemic that never happened. And it was, it was a big deal. Um, yeah. There was people, companies were scared about how this was going to affect things. How were they going to operate? What were they going to do? And then of course, you know, it, it never came to fruition, but I remember it very well. Um, there were several corporations that were quite concerned about how they were going to function if it did come to fruition. And there were policies and procedures being put in place. They were putting kits in place so that their teams could operate. And so when you're talking about this, like policies and procedures, kits, in place where? Like at the actual poultry facilities? Or? No, I'm talking retail. Retail. Well, retail for employees. I'm sorry. Yeah, I worked ah. for retail. For the employees in the event, you know, that employees were coming down with the flu. Right. I didn't realize you had this the project like this. This is really cool. So you were like helping facilities figure out or like retailers, food service companies figure out what to do if a bird flu pandemic happened almost a decade before COVID? Yes. Wow. That is fascinating. Okay, so yeah. now I'm really curious on on this. So we worked, you know, it wasn't as because of course COVID really happened. That became very real, and this is what <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, yeah. <laughs> we worked in that project. You know about you know this is how you're going to get reopened, and these are the things. It wasn't nearly that extensive, but you know these are the teams that you'll need to put in place. These are you know the things that you'll need to do to mobilize this, and you know it was it was it was a very real scenarios of you know these these will be the kits. This is how you're going to operate, um, and the policies and procedures for different retail operations. Oh, I, I did not know you did this 
at all. And that is fascinating because during COVID, right when COVID happened, like, okay, everybody, no joke, before everything was shut down, I called you, right? Like it was mm-hmm. right when things were going and we could kind of see that things were going to be shut down. And I paid you and your team to create processes for COVID to open people, things up when I was working at Rice Point. Mm-hmm. I just knew you could do it. I didn't know you'd already done it a decade beforehand. This is a fantastic revelation. <laughs> yeah. No wonder why you were able to get it up and going so fast. You'd already been thinking about this, right? Well, I mean, I had a partner that worked. COVID was quite different. COVID was very different. I don't want to, COVID was a very different situation than what the possibility of the H1N1 was. Very, very different situation. But yes. Because, I mean, you guys were able to, I mean, obviously you and your team are very good and professional at this, but I was, I knew that I could bring you in front of my organization and that you were going to do a great job. We didn't, I didn't quite know how well of a job you were going to do. You didn't, you and your team did an amazing job putting those practices together in place for us to hand out to the industry. But it's, it, you were, you had been thinking about it already. So you had, it, yes, COVID was different, but contextually, it was still uh, uh, on, on a macro scale, was still the same problem. Right. And, you know, things had changed too. You know, things became much more advanced technology-wise over those years. You know, we had a lot more options. Right. There weren't as many tech issues because there weren't as many things to utilize technologically. (laughs) Yes. We were, you know, in in 2009, we didn't have near the capabilities as far as technology went that we did, you know, in 2020, I guess it was. Yeah. So almost, it was, it was a little over a decade after your, your previous project. So where I, I mean, we, we say COVID like past tense and as if bird flu can't be an issue again, but we could have a similar issue like COVID with bird flu. We could have like a COVID 2.0 with bird flu. Right. Well, and that was the fear, you know, at that point in time, that was very, it was, the very real fear that that was going to, who would have thought that, you know, 10, 11, well, 11 years later that we would have something that was completely uh, just a catastrophe of a different magnitude. We'd have never dreamed. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to come back to this conversation and you and I are going to ask each other some questions about our, our thoughts on this vaccine and, and, and what it looks like in the future. But I have a little nugget of information that I found fascinating. Do you know that like before World War II, our modern chicken didn't even really exist? Are you talking about as far as like the sizes and the weights and things like that? Exactly. And how fast it matures and all that stuff. Have you ever heard of how the chicken of tomorrow? Have you heard of like that that uh, competition chicken of tomorrow? So prior to World War II, people consumed chicken like as a, like a holiday meal, Right. And then after that, there was this competition called Chicken of Tomorrow. And it was to have Americans compete on who could breed the best chicken for meat. And it was like how fast the chicken matures weight-wise, how much weight the chicken puts on, uh, size of the, the breast and legs and all that stuff. And that created our modern chicken and then created basically everything else that goes with it. So we're talking less than a hundred years, less than oh, wow. 80 years, really, chicken has become part of our diet. But now, according to the USDA, poultry production exceeds $20 billion annually with over 43 billion pounds of meat produced. 
And per capita, U.S. citizens eat over 80 pounds of chicken a year. Wow. I love chicken. I know. Me too. Did you know that? I'm making chicken tonight. We were talking about that. I'm making uh, chicken curry tonight. So you did not know that. So, okay. I did not know that. Just absolute food nerd. I, I saw like a documentary on this and uh, like uh, a couple years ago, and I was fascinated by that. I mean, we wouldn't have KFC or anything like that without this, without that. Okay. But now, obviously, since the yeah, 80 pounds a year is consumed by the average human in the United States. So now we're at a point where chicken and eggs are such a major part of American consumers' protein diet that when when we're having these aviated flus that are killing millions and millions of pounds of chicken a year, millions of chickens a year, it affects the prices so much and food inflation increases so much that it's hard for the average person, particularly in poverty, to afford those prices. So I understand why the USDA has come out with allowing this vaccine to be utilized in the United States. And I, and I find it fascinating because as you we were talking earlier, you know, France has been using this, France has been vaccinating ducks since 2015. <laughs> so there's our frog raw, right? But the, the people who would be upset about vaccinating chickens are not going to be the same people that are upset about vaccinating ducks because those ducks are used for frog gras. <laughs> if you're already uh, eating frog gras, you're probably like, ah, animal welfare, whatever, right? Because right. they're force-feeding ducks. Right. So, so we both understand why the vaccine is being tested in the United States and that over the next two years, it, it could be out in the market to be used, which is fascinating, right, in its own thing. But my question to you is, do you think that, that, that people are going to have issues with this vaccine? I do believe that people will have, well, the same reason that they have issues with any any type of animal vaccine or any type of, any type of, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Anything that we give to animals that isn't natural, you know what I mean? Anything that they don't want any antibiotics given to animals or anything else given to animals. So they're right. certainly not going to want vaccines given to them. Right. So like people who, who are like, no, I don't want antibiotics in my, my milk. I don't want BHP like hormones in my milk. Those are going to be the same people that are going to be like, Hey, I don't want vaccines. Absolutely. I agree with you. I, I agree with you. And do you think that there's going to be a market for vaccine free chickens, like a certification? Certainly. Certainly there will be. Yeah. will be. And it's going to be the same market that is looking for the I would say the um, the same individuals that you know want the organic products, right? Or you know, the antibiotic free or hormone free or non GMO, like the little right. butterfly on there, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, yeah, I agree. When we were talking about this earlier, there was a lot of hesitation on your side about this vaccine for for chickens, and and I want to kind of hash that out because I, that conversation was so good gone but so good <laughs> i don't know if we can replicate that but, <laughs> word for word. <laughs> but i but I, okay, I i it was so good because I, I i i felt like what you were saying made so much sense and i and i, and I want to ask you that again like what do you think some of the issues are like with, with PETA or anybody about these vaccines for chickens and and what do you think that that market what do you think is going to do to the market so my concern 
with the vaccines is that they won't be used necessarily in the manner that they should be used. For example, if we have an overcrowding situation, rather than prevent the overcrowding situation, we're just going to vaccine, the vaccine, vaccine, vaccinate. I still didn't get that right. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens, you know, when you record multiple podcasts on this. I do, 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 do. You just can't, can't speak after a while. <laughs> um, you just, you know, you just start vaccinate them, the pre- vaccinating them to prevent the illnesses rather than treat them properly or make sure that they're properly cared for. That's a problem. Yeah. And again, you know, I indicated I'm, I'm a meat eater. I don't have problem raising an animal for meat. Right. But they should be properly cared for. You know, yeah. let's not, you know, just create vaccines and, you know, things to prevent illnesses so that we can mistreat them. You know, we should continue with proper inspecting by the proper authorities to make sure that their facilities are managed properly and that they're taken care of in the manner that they should be, rather than create methods so that we can maybe not treat them as well as they should be treated so that they don't get sick. And I'm not saying that that's the case. I don't believe that that is. But I do think that there are individuals who will use it in that manner. Your your fear, let me sum this up to see if it's if what I'm saying is is correct. Your fear is that there are bad practices within the industry that creates that overcrowding, overcrowding and uh, abundant issues with bacteria like Salmonella, E. coli, and aviation flu because they're just not treated correctly. And the vaccine could just be this panacea, this silver bullet that the uh, industry utilizes instead of bettering practices to just medicate chickens so that they can continue on doing things like how they have been. It'll become an enabler, so to speak. Yes. So it becomes an enabler. Yeah. I, I see that this I, I see that this this could be, and I can see where consumer advocate groups and animal welfare groups and just PETA and you know people who just don't want people to consume meat at all. I can see where they would take this announcement by the USDA and instantly start going to their congressmen and women and saying the exact same thing. Like we don't want this because it just perpetuates the issues that we already despise. Right. I I agree. Like I don't want I really don't want animals treated poorly. So I agree that those practices need to be in place so that 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 animals are treated correctly. But I do think that this is a good solution for the market to minimize costs. And so a lot of times where I tend to swing my beliefs in is what is going to provide the best diet for the least fortunate. You and I can afford to spend money on the best of the best of the best products, right? But a lot of people can't. And so if this allows prices to go down so that people can consume more chickens and eggs as opposed to you know the crap that they get you know, on any Amer- regular American diet – I think that that's a good thing, but I also totally understand where your hesitation is because it could perpetuate problems within the industry. Well, I mean, and I mean, if I'm pushed to say 
chickens are feed people, <laughs> certainly feeding humans is right. going to win. Absolutely. 100%. But there has to be a balance. I agree. Let's find a prevention. The prevention may not, it doesn't necessarily have to be the vaccine. There might be other preventative measures other than the vaccine. Right. And, and I, I, I think it could be in tandem. I think that with the vaccine coming on board, that there will be even more hyped up understanding of what goes on in the industry. And that may awaken some consumers, um, even more consumers into what, what goes on. And they may be more apt to ask for better practices, audits, et cetera, et cetera, testing in order to minimize abuse to the animals. And I'm not anti, again, I don't know if I said that, you know, when I said this, but I'm not anti-vaccine. <laughs> no, you didn't say to this one. Yes. You and I are both not anti-vaccine. <laughs> I, I do find it fascinating though, like, cause we were talking about this earlier that with the COVID vaccine that came out, how fast? Six months? Yeah. Something like that. It was very, very quickly. Yeah. And it was a completely new technology, right? Our RNA technology, completely new. And- we human beings were like the test case of this brand new thing. Literally. <laughs> literally, literally they're, uh, oh, well, that didn't work. Let's try a different one. <laughs> but I mean, it it makes sense. There were a significant amount of people dying and getting sick. And, and it, it, you know, it pushes humans to do drastic things to, to, to fix the solution. Mm-hmm. Then we have this, we have a real problem with, 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 with chickens being euthanized. What did we say? 58 million of them just this year mm-hmm. were euthanized because of aviation flu, not because we euthanized in order to consume them, <laughs> right? Like way more of that way. And it's going to take two years to test it when it's already been utilized in France for almost a decade now. So I'm just curious at why it's taking so long. And if the USDA is thinking maybe it won't, maybe too many consumer advocacy groups are going to say no, that it won't go through. Could be, because you know what's going to happen. That, that's exactly what's going to happen. Oh, there's going to be a ton of pushback on this. Yeah. There's going to be a ton of pushback on this, 100%. And you're going to have the, you're going to have the congressmen and senators in farming communities pushing it, and you're going to have the others in other communities not wanting it not to exist. I, I wonder where this falls because it is right now in the executive branch under the USDA. D- is Congress going to even have a say in this? I don't know. But this is this is fascinating. This is one of those where we're going to have to come back to maybe next year. This is going to take 18 months to two years to, to go through. Yeah, it's going to be a while. I am going to flip my lid if when we talk about this in a year – if we have to record that episode twice as well. <laughs> and then I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's the chickens or the vaccine. It's one of the two. <laughs> oh my God. Crazy. <laughs> okay. All right. So what do you have for, what do you have for us now? So let's talk about TikTok hydration bars. Hi- wait, hydration bars? They're called... I better put my glasses back on. (laughs) Yeah. So there are these, this is so crazy, hydration stations. 
They're called hydration stations. Okay. People don't want to just drink water anymore, you know? I, I, what is a hydration station? So what you, basically they are doing is you set up this fancy little lazy Susan in your kitchen, and you can put all kinds of syrup, sugar-free, regular syrup, or you can get those little wee packets of flavoring or whatever, and you mix these different things with your water, and it's called a hydration station. And that's the what? newest trend. Yeah, some of it's sugar-free. Some of it is um, some of it's sugar-free. Some of it is just, you know, flavored syrup. It, obviously, it's not as healthy as drinking plain water, nor should it be portrayed <laughs> as though it is. The problem is this. You know, the artificial sweetener isn't good for you. And some of that... Some of those little packets that have those different hydration things, it's like if you consume one of these, it's like drinking two bottles of water. There are chemicals in there that can cause some like adverse effects if you're not careful. So for example, (laughs) there's one of them a couple years ago. I love this stuff. And I was, you're only supposed to put one in a bottle of water, I guess. I don't know but it was really good. Well, I was putting like two of them in a bottle of water. Are these like those little plastic squeezy thingies and you you like squeeze the liquid into a water bottle? No, they are, I'm gonna show you exactly what it is. While you're getting that though, this hydration station sounds amazing. I know we're, we're, we're knocking it, but I could create like a hydration station in my house. That'd be kind of awesome. This. So it's like a little, it's just like a little pouch. Like a little, well, this is one. Now, this girl has like, um, this girl had this and she was mixing this with like, just like the flavored syrup. Like they put in, we talked about Starbucks and one of the other podcasts we did, the yes. syrup with the pumps. You put a couple pumps yeah, yeah. of syrup in it and you mix the vanilla syrup and the raspberry syrup and the coconut syrup and you put it in your water and, you know, you've got your flavored water. You can use sugar-free or you can use whatever. So they're mixing these what is these? Plus this. Well, this one happens to be liquid IV hydration multiplier. So this is what happened. I was putting two of these in a bottle, like a 20 ounce bottle of water. And I did this for like a couple of weeks. I love the stuff. It's really good. And you're only supposed to put one? You're supposed to put one in? Yeah, one in a bottle of water. <laughs> <laughs> if one's good, two has to be better. This was, during, this was during COVID. Now, you know my personality. So you, you know, compulsive type thing, you know, <laughs> yes. oh, it, gets, it gets better. So I all of a sudden started having these heart palpitations and like, just like, I thought I was having a flipping heart attack. I remember being at home one night and I told my husband, it's like, okay, so I don't know if I need to be concerned or not, but I feel like I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. I think I should probably go get checked. This was during COVID. Yeah. Which is usually a good idea if you think you're getting a heart attack. Yeah. It was during COVID. My husband's like, are you going to be okay? I'm like, well, I don't know, but I think I need to go get checked. So the emergency room wasn't very far from our house, like mile, two miles. And I'm like, but I'm really concerned. I'm going to go. And he's like getting ready. I'm like, oh, you don't need to come with me. I'll be fine. (laughs) You're like, I think I'm having a heart attack. 
I will drive myself there. <laughs> I'm like, they're not going to let you in anyway. They're just going to make you sit in the car. You can't come in. So he's just looking at me like, what is the matter with you? I'm like, <laughs> I'll call you if I need you. <laughs> Wait, did you go to the hospital by yourself? Well, they're not going to let him in. They're Francie, not going to no. let him in. <laughs> So he's like, if you had a real heart attack, you could have like not made it to the hospital. I was fine. (laughs) This poor man. This poor man. So it's like. We're going to need a disclosure for this podcast. Okay, my disclosure. Don't drive yourself to the hospital. No, do not. It was during COVID. I live really (laughs) close to the hospital. (laughs) Such a hard-headed woman. I I agree. (laughs) So... (laughs) I get to the emergency room and I'm like, look, I don't know if it's anxiety. I don't know. It took me a while to figure out what it was. Turns out it was like they assumed that it was like anxiety or whatever. They took me up to all these things and did their, they did these tests. There was nothing wrong with me. Like a panic attack. Well, that's, yeah. But I truly believe it was, I stopped drinking these. Yeah, yeah. I was drinking too much of them. <laughs> Be careful with your hydration stations and how much of these things that you're drinking. You know, yeah. if you're using the non-GMO electrolyte st- yeah. style stuff. Although that hydration, that hydration now, station sounds like a great idea. I, no, I, I'm like, right. Yeah. Just be careful what you're mixing, how much of it you're drinking. It did. It, it was my fault. Totally my fault. I was dumping too much in a 20 ounce bottle, and I was drinking several of them yeah. a day. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, now I'm curious. When you quit those things, did you have did you like have a compulsion to drink them? Like did you feel like you needed to like you were No, you, so this is it? the thing. I think I am a believer that there are um addictive personalities. Yes, I'm one of them. I don't. It, yeah. it terrifies me because it, my family, there's you and I've discussed this. I come from a family of addictive personalities. I mean, yep. my siblings all have addictive personalities. I'm very fortunate because like I can coffee, I could just stop drinking coffee or, you know, I can like, we joke about the monster drinks, but I could not drink one for several days in a row and I'm yeah. fine. So no, I... No, I did not have any. I just stopped drinking them. Yeah. So, I mean, you and I have had that conversation. Like I smoked for 20 years, um, drank like a fish forever. And so I've weaned all that stuff off. Now I'm just a coffee. But um, yeah, like yesterday, I was like, do you? Uh, yeah, I just I just realized I drank two pots of coffee. And it's one of those, I, I could totally see what you're saying about the hydration stations is if you have a compulsive personality and you just are like, like me, I'll be on the phone and I'm just, I just go over and just fill up my cup. You know, I'm talking to somebody and I fill up my cup. It's like not even a thought. It's like a, a, it's, it's, it's just what I do physically. Just, it's not even a thought. And if those hydration stations are there, I could totally see what you're talking about. Like, well, I could totally see myself going over and pumping in a bunch of vanilla or something like that into water or a bunch of lime syrup into water. And so it would be having the right stuff next to that hydration station. But I'm thinking that's genius. Instead of drinking coffee all day long, drinking water with some sort of healthy 
flavoring to that, like I'd be down. That's better than, like I said to you, I drink like six pack of soda a day. So it has to be better than that. I'm not a plain water drinker. Like I should be. Yeah. But I'm really not. And like, this was my answer to water. It was like, oh, I can drink water like this. This is good. Right. Not. <laughs> yeah, it's good until until you think you're having a heart attack. Well, my husband is having a fit. I'm like, honestly, do not call my kids and tell them. Don't oh, call man. anybody. I will let you know. Don't call anybody. Oh, my gosh. I'm just trying to put myself in your husband's place. And he had to have been freaking oh, out. I am sure he was. I'm sure he was. <laughs> Melissa, when I told Melissa, Melissa's like, you did what? Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. But I'm just like, I don't want anybody to worry. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> what's, what's he going to do? Sit out in the parking? Like during COVID, they yes. weren't letting anybody in. So, so he may as well stay home and no. sit in the parking lot and wait. No. No. Because, you okay, you are totally 100% unproductive regardless if you're home or sitting in the parking lot. I know. <laughs> okay, I am 100% backing your husband on this. Next time you think you're having a heart attack, let him drive you there. You know, I I knew that I probably wasn't. No, because I deal with anxiety as well and and all that stuff. So I understand I understand what you're saying. It's like if you deal with that type of stuff, you can go like, "Oh my gosh, I think I've crossed over the threshold of anxiety to maybe a panic attack." But then also, oh shoot, there are the same type of symptoms as a heart attack. So it's safer to just go to the hospital and make sure you're, you know, getting well, tested. Well, yeah, and I was just like, I told them, it's like, I think it could be anxiety, but I'm not sure. And I just want to make sure. And it's like, you know, you don't want to have a heart attack because you think you're having a panic attack. Right. <laughs> my husband god bless him i'm telling you i say that all the time he married a strong independent woman is what he married and he knew what he was getting into oh he certainly did because we were together for quite a while before he married me <laughs> yeah so anyway it says sugar-free beverage of the day sure but calm down y'all it's not that deep obviously these waters of the day aren't as good for you as drinking plain water we know all about the health risks of artificial sweeteners and dyes. Oh, but they're so good. But for people who aren't going to drink water anyway, it's a step up from being dehydrated or chugging Diet Coke. There you go. That's exactly what I said. Maybe. Okay. All right. So um, maybe it's like uh, um, with both smoking and drinking, I went cold turkey 100% and both were painful. <laughs> so uh, caffeine, I, I actually think that caffeine would be more of a detriment to my family for me just giving up cold turkey because <laughs> I think I'd be a total jerk. I know I'll be a total jerk. So maybe it would be like a way of weaning me so, myself off of that is a hydration station. Off of caffeine? Yeah, I'm not 100%. Like weaning myself, going from coffee to a hydration station as opposed to coffee to soda. Okay, well, let's back up because you also said you have soda too. So you're going to do coffee and soda? I do coffee and soda. So instead of going, instead of um, drinking soda, maybe I'll go, actually, no, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to go caffeine, like coffee, sorry, coffee to hydration station. If I drank that much, I would need to have a catheter just run to the bathroom from wherever I was sitting. (laughs) My bladder's the size of like a pea. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I like I drink I drink a lot of caffeine, so I yeah I need a I need a and I and I drink way more caffeine ever since stopping smoking and drinking. 
way more caffeine. I didn't know. I never knew you were a smoker. I didn't know that. Yeah. Smoke cigar and pipes for 20 years. I got to the point where I was smoking like three or four pipes or cigars a day. Oh, wow. See, I've never done. Never. Yeah. I can still smell. I'll smell like a pipe or a cigar and my mouth starts salivating actually. Oh, wow. More more than like 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 seeing alcohol or seeing or smelling alcohol or whatever, like a beer or wine or whatever. No problem. But cigars or pipe? No. Like I, my brain instantly goes, oh, I want one. Nicotine is crazy addictive. Absolutely crazy addictive. And even when you're socially, you, I want it. See, like a 16 ounce or even a 20 ounce monster might last me like two days to drink one of those. Yeah. That would take me, that would take me like, uh, I, I don't drink those often unless, unless I'm traveling like a long, like I used to do like 12 hour travel trips, like driving 12 hours. And I would have like a monster that lasts five hours and I would, I would coax that five hours, but. So, yeah. So anyway, this flavored water craze started with people recovering from bariatric surgery, trying to meet their water goals. That's how it started. So what's it say? Turning everything people do for fun into a moral crisis. Moral crisis? A moral cri- Like a hydration station is a moral crisis? I swear it's fascinating. I, I Sometimes I think some, uh, some authors just have to come up with some sort of crisis. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see it as a moral crisis. No, I see it as a, as a solution. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, there's been multiple times where we've gone through this and I've learned something new and gone, huh. And then other times where, no, it didn't work out. Like <laughs> citrus in the shower. No, not even willing to try that, but you did. <laughs> There's a lot of things I'm willing to try. I'm not eating in the shower. Yeah. Okay, well, I will tell you 100% what will not be in that hydration station, and that will be poop. No poop in my hydration station. You have 10 children. There will be poop in that hydration <laughs> station. Oh, uh, there has to be a hand-washing station next to the hydration station. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I have faith in Tracy. There will be Purell all over the place to minimize the poop. In the, but yes. the kids are going to slip through. I don't have faith in the children all using the Purell next to the hydration station. I'm going to put your logo. I'll put Savvy Food Safety right on the Purell bottle. I'll have to send some stickers. <laughs> <laughs> Purell oh, should be, be paying us. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. All right. Well, I think we should call it. Thank you all for listening. And again, don't eat poop. No, yeah, stay away from the poop. <laughs> Bye, all. Bye. <laughs>